Welcome to the Two Honest Dads podcast. I'm Jeff Davidson, along with my co-host, Demetrius Reed. Feel good to be here, Jeff. Yeah? Well, this is where we share real topics with honest answers. Demetrius, how are you, my friend? I feel amazing. I really do. Yeah? Yeah. Two well, Honest Dads back in action. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's and like Lethal Weapon. We are in the middle of 2019 already. I mean... It's crazy. Not Christmas yet, but we're, we are approaching summertime. And I love the summer. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, me and, too. Uh, and so, but I was reading this thing, um, and it talked about how people make an X. How people draw an X. Like the letter. Like the letter X. Okay. And I saw this thing that says there are eight or nine different ways to draw an X. And I think that is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard of. I don't think I've ever thought about how I draw X in yeah, my life. I know. And so, because you remember like a couple years ago, they had that, um, that what color is the dress? Like, is it golden? Is it golden blue and it was, white? Oh, it I, was white and gold, blue and black. Yeah. I remember because there was arguments in my house. Yeah. And I just like, I remember seeing that with my family and I'm like, I actually thought that was entertaining. Like I actually saw, yeah. do you remember which one you saw? So yes, I saw, I saw white and gold first, Okay, but I was actually able to cross over to the other dimension yeah. and see the other color. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was just the way you looked at it. Okay. So I saw both colors. Is it like one of those like things that you would turn and it turned like, you know what I'm talking about? Like those, those yeah. hologram images yeah. things. I think it was what, I think it was a two part. It was what you concentrated on and then what you like if you allow the possibility for it to be a different color, then yeah. you can you can see it. It yeah. was weird. It was really weird. Yeah, I, I I remember that vividly because I only saw the blue and black. The, okay. The golden. I forget what the other one was. White and gold. White and gold. Like I'm like. Well, I think it was actually white and gold. No, 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 no. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was white and gold. Oh wow. I okay. could be. I could be wrong. I think that. I think you're wrong in that because I. I felt pretty confident that I actually saw the correct one. I, I feel like somebody will let us know. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure somebody. somebody so will if you let guys us know. remember what that is, please let us know. The only reason why I bring that up is because um, this X thing. I want you just to draw. I want to see what your 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 X is. Okay. Okay. So now it's weird because anytime I like think about yeah, something. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. Just be loose. Just do. Just do it naturally, man. Okay. I feel that's wait. Did I go this way or this way? <laughs> you went top left. Okay, so I don't think that's what I do. I think yeah, no, I do top left, top left to bottom right, to bottom left to top right. Yes, I I really I really I really feel like that's naturally what I do. I'm the opposite. I do top right, bottom left, top left, bottom right. But this feels natural to to me too. Like yeah. I feel like I would do that sometimes too. So I, I just don't think, I don't think honestly, I think you're and not that we don't have the time for this, but I don't think you could do, I don't think you could come up with eight or nine different ways to do it. Well, some of them would be very unnatural. Yeah. It would be like, <laughs> be like would, yeah. Connected in the middle. <laughs> like, like, like something like this. Yeah. That would be. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That doesn't even look like yeah. a letter. That, I don't even know what that that's is. That's like a triangle and then a triangle. At the, like, yeah, ooh, okay. that's awful. Yeah. Well, anyways. The reason why I brought that up today is because, yeah, yeah, I don't know. They don't all look know. the same when you look at them. So please let us know in the show notes if you guys have done that, you know, that, uh, 
if you've done, I, I think that personally, I think it's top left to bottom right, bottom left to top right. I think that, yeah, that feels like the most natural to me. Yeah. Like anybody else doing another way because, yeah. Because that way you're going right into your next letter. Yeah, especially, yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you're like, yeah. 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 I know. Well, if you haven't um, gone off the episode already because of us talking about drawing the X, the reason why I brought that up is because, you know what? Sometimes America just comes up with stupid stuff that yeah. we just need to, like, drop. Yes. And so, and fortunately, this phenomenon thing came out after our guest was here because... His name is John Ash. He's from Northern Ireland. He's a friend of mine for eight years now, which is just crazy yeah. for me to think that I've known him for that long. Um, I do missions and I do some things overseas and I take teams over there. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Northern Ireland has become one of my favorite places in the world to go to. And, and I love their church and the community that's there. And John Ash has been married to, married to his wife, Rachel. Uh, for a long, long time, we thought for a while there that we actually got engaged on the same day. Wow! But I think that we realized that we didn't. Yeah. Okay. Which really made me sad because it was kind of it made a better story. Yeah. But you know we're two honest dads, so we got to take we got to tell the truth. Yeah. And so I don't think we were engaged on the same day. Um, but our wives, though, are very, very similar. Okay. Which is crazy. It's like honestly, it's so crazy because they both. Uh, have music degrees, music mm. like music teacher backgrounds. Okay, and so and they dress alike. Like a lot of the time, like we'll go over there, mm -hmm. and they'll both like come come down for the day, and they have the same outfit on, which that's just bizarre to me. Like not even plan two different continents. There's a whole coming together ocean in between. Them. Yeah, exactly, and so. But uh, just an amazing family and just love them so much. And so I really wanted to have an interview with, with you know, some of my friends from around the world mm -hmm. about how they do parenting and, and what they do, how they, uh, you know, deal with the, the problems. Are they different than what we deal with, you know, and the style and all the kind of things. And so, it was cool, too, because I get to meet a lot of your friends yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And, I, and John Ash was actually, we did that episode in my house. Yes. So that was cool for me. Yeah. So got to host the, the podcast, not actually host, but host the yeah. making of the podcast, if that makes any sense. So that yep. was really special. Well, uh, let's not take any uh, more time in this. Let's just take a deep dive into our interview with John Ash. So thankful to have my friend John Ash here from Northern Ireland. And uh, as we've been doing our Two Honest Dads podcast, we... Um, just trying to make some decisions on how we can kind of keep it broader in some ways. And so, so I thought the broadest thing we could possibly do is take someone from across the Atlantic. And, uh, and I know that uh, Northern Ireland is uh, a first world country, just like ours uh, from that way. But we also realized that uh, from the times that I've been over there, that you notice some things that are different. John has been over to the States uh, a lot of times. And uh, so we want to take some time and just kind of talk about family, talk about parenting and, uh, just go ahead and I want to start off, John, just kind of say like, you know, what are some things that you would say that you value um, as a dad or you and Rachel uh, value together um, of things you're trying to instill in your kids? Sure. Well, um, I have married for 18 years. I'm married to Rachel. I've got Ethan, who's 14, and Aaron, who's 12. So we're in that teenage stage right now where they're teenagers. 
So uh, yeah, they're pretty good. They haven't got this just slamming the doors just yet, but uh, we've had a few temper tantrums. But uh, I think I think the values in our home. Um, I think obviously the fact that when you're a pastor of a church and, and and you're raised in a Christian home, then values become very biblically orientated. But I, I think some of the things that, that that we love in our home is first of all honesty. I, I, we will really want our kids to be honest, even when it's bad. Uh, we we you know we are always telling them, hey guys, listen, it doesn't matter how bad it is or what you've done or how terrible it is you know uh, we, we you know i tend to get a little bit more upset if they if they do something then don't tell you and be honest so so even when it's bad we want them to tell us honestly so that would be a high value in, in our home the the other thing that i have a high value for is um uh, shared work mentality i think in our, in our place um you know nobody sits for a day off with their feet up it's like we all we all pull our weight and uh, when you're in in the house together uh, I, I have a high value for making sure that everybody does their, their, their bit so they they don't get an awful lot of time up in, up in the room uh, they don't get their, their phones or they're off at night so if there's chores to be done they get them done yeah. and they can they can complain and, 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 and do all that stuff about it but no the, that would be it the other thing that I would I was going to say you know, like your example that I, you, t- you said a couple of days ago we were together that uh, about how Aaron like made dinner yeah you know I think that's like I don't know. I don't. I don't know if every twelve-year-old can uh, bust out a uh, homemade lasagna. You know, <laughs> my kids can't. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, I, I, and I do think. I think that's one of the things culturally that, yeah. that we. I think in, in in Ireland and Northern Ireland particularly, we, the, I think the difference is here. There, we still would would be probably how to put this. There's certain values we'd have, like our what I'm going to call it from uh, something like a little house in the prairie kind of thing in America. So there's still quite a high value in Ireland for community, for uh, for sitting around a table and talking. For So for instance, on a Sunday, you guys go out a lot and you'll eat out in a restaurant. We don't. We go home and we have a roast dinner together mm. and we sit around the table and we talk and we do that. Um, so there's things that I find that we still have a, a high value for. One of the things that um, certainly um, my wife really loves doing is just, you know, she's a baker, she cooks, she loves to eat. You know, she eats everything fresh, so we don't go and buy food in, you know, regularly. But Erin just loves cooking with her mom in the kitchen and, and loves baking and stuff like that. And you now another pastor friend calls in that again and he goes like, your kids crack me up. You know, so I, I don't know whether every kid in Northern Ireland is like my kids, but I know my kids are probably for the age of them are a little bit more further along the line when it comes to that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, the, 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 I'm quite, I, I'm quite a dad that lets them make mistakes, lets them fall. I don't bubble wrap them. You know, I think there's no, I think sometimes in, in, there's a modern culture to protect a lot. Uh, we don't. I think there's growth and struggle. And I think letting your kids learning to struggle, you know, and I think sometimes parents today wrap them in cotton wool and bubble wrap. And so whenever they fall, they don't feel. And then they get to 18, 19, 20, they go off to university. They, and then they, they go, the first major fall they have in life, they're like, ow! Yeah. And they're wondering what's going on. They've yeah. not really learned to struggle or have a difficulty through. So, um, yeah, I want Aaron to know how to cook, how to bake, how to eat healthy. Ethan, you know, he's got to put the trash out. He's got to uh, clean his room. He's got a Hoover. He's got a tele kitchen. You know, he's in this Hoover is a vacuum cleaner, yeah. just in case you wanted yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. to know that. Yeah, th- there's lots of words that we could... Uh, <laughs> We could definitely uh, have some fun on today. <laughs> what about uh, you said about um, letting them fail or make mistakes? What, what would that What would that look like? Because I, um, I'm going to ask a question later on, but I, I wanted to hit that for a second because you okay. mentioned that. What would it? Okay, what so, would that would look like? Okay, so Ethan's 14, and um, I, I tend to let him do a lot of things by himself. So he he 
you know, he's recently at Christmas just got a new bicycle. Uh, we got him some headlights for it. And so he's going off to the local leisure center by himself. You know, he's got a friend, uh, you know, 40 miles away. He's, he's getting a train by himself. He, he's just sort of pushing on out there a little bit more. Uh, and I, when I tell a lot of parents, you know, that I let my kids do that, they're like, he's only 14. And I'm like going, yeah, when I was young, I did a whole lot worse than that. I think there's something so culturally changed that we're worried about. You know, we have this thing where we've lost something of, you know, this protection of the nanny state that's like, parents have to protect, There's everybody's a pedophile. So we always swing so far to the far side where I'm going like, no, I want him to learn how to survive on his own. If we're not here, I want him to be able to take care of himself. So, you know, if I'm not around, like Aaron loves cooking. So if, if we're not home, you know, she can literally cook a dinner from scratch and make it happen and that's good you know and uh, so I think I think some of that stuff is is I, now to be fair that that wouldn't be general that would be us there's a okay. lot of, that you know I'm not saying there's not kids like that but we I have a high value for independence in them and them making their own decisions you know even now you know money's coming around and you know uh, Ethan wanted a new bicycle for Christmas and uh it was 400 pounds, it was a serious bike. And uh, I said, well, okay, look, we'll give you 200 pounds, but I said, you've got to make 200 pounds back. And he came in and after a day or two, he says, well, you know, I said, so what are you selling? And uh, so he had to go and pull stuff out of the garage. He had to go and find stuff that he could sell. He had some like designer shirts and I made him load them onto <laughs> eBay. I, 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 I made him and he says like, you know, I'm not getting another elf for Christmas. I says, you get me another 200 pounds back, I'll get you the rest for Christmas, but you're not getting another thing until yeah. you've done that. So. With like ten days before Christmas, he's like, "Uh oh," so he went. He went into touch. So there's things like that where I think we have to create new values for work ethic and that. And I do think I think this isn't a kid's problem. I think this is a parental problem. And I think parents over. I don't think. You know, I read a story about a 14 year old um, a guy from Holland. He was Dutch. Dutch. He sailed around the world by himself. 14. Wow. And I'm like going, if this guy can sail around the world by himself yeah. at 14. Come on, like yeah. what's going on with the planet? Yeah. If like we can't we can't instill some of that. Now there's things that you've gotta you gotta still look out for them for. But uh, generally speaking, I think kids need to be independent. You know, I I, I never got left to school in a car. Uh, my parents didn't have a car when I grew up, so I either walked it, busted, or biked it. And you know, today it's like anomaly if you say to your kids, "Yeah, you're walking to school." Uh, so so I have a high value. We have both a high value originally for making sure our kids find some independence and the ability to do that. Also, I think it teaches them social cues. Like they, they know how to interact with a, a bus conductor or a or a train. You know, they got to go and ask for a ticket. They've got to figure out how to how you know how to book a place or going from you know Antrim to Coleraine on a train. How do I do that? You know, so th there's a few things like that as well. And then if they want to buy their own things as well, we. We help them figure that out as well. So yeah, I think there's a there's a need for that. And uh, was that something that was instilled in you, like from your parents or Rachel or, or I, how did that yeah. how did that come? Yeah, about? I think both our families probably would have had a high work ethic. I think in Northern Ireland there's a there's a thing that we call the Protestant work ethic, and it goes back in history to where uh, you know you'll not fully understand all the culture, but we went through thirty years, thirty five years of the what's called the troubles. Uh, they've been fighting over our little bit of land for 700 years, but uh, between 1968 through to 1995, we, we had the troubles. So when I grew up, uh, there was a lot of fighting and, and bombing and, and, and blowing up going on. So, you know, we, we had a different value and a different mindset for what was going on in our communities. Uh, communities were separated. Protestants 
lived in one row and Catholics lived in, in, in another row. And, and even today, when you go to Belfast, you still see areas that are different. So culturally, even though we look the same and act the same, there's a few things that are instilled early on that are slightly different. Uh, Catholic families tend to have larger families, um, so therefore uh, community and family was massive in those communities, so you know they had a high element for community. The Protestant uh, end has slightly different, they had a Scottish root, but one of the things where education was important, um, work mentality was important, get out of your bed and do something. So uh, I was raised as a Catholic, Richard was raised as a Protestant, so I think we have a blend of both those cultures coming yeah. into the mix. Uh, and that, that actually probably ha has, in some senses, broadened our kids' worldview locally in that they can you know, see some things from a different perspective that they maybe wouldn't from another one. So I think the thing that we would have built into us is like, you know, I enjoy work and I think anybody should. Uh, you know, uh, my big pet hate as a, as a dad, but also as a pastor and just generally as a, I hate entitlement. You know, yeah. I see kids today full of entitlement. If my, my kids know, if they start the entitlement game, there's 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 going to be payback on that one. So there is. So yeah, so I don't know whether that answers your question. <laughs> no, it's great. No, and uh, so would you say like uh, the one thing I've I've always felt every time I've been over there is that you guys do community really really well. Yeah. And so and I think I know as a church you do it well, but uh, but also is that would you say I know like I like the line like it takes a village to raise a child. Would you feel like that is something that you guys embrace that? Yeah, I, I think I think it's lessening as we go along. I think um, we, we probably, if you go to England, Ireland would be different to England, say, uh, European. I think Ireland still has, for two reasons, I think there's a history here. First of all, it is dark and cold and wet in Ireland. It rains all the time and it's grey, okay? If you go to Ireland in the, the winter, we're, we're the furthest part of that hemisphere, so it's like dark at 4.30. So you go to work at dark and it's dark and you come home when it's dark. So it's it's great. So one of the things that, that happened over the years historically was that we just, it was cold, so we put fires on and families would come together and they'd sit around the fire and they would talk and they would chat and you know, and that was kind of how community was formed. There's still an element of that in the local pub, you know, I, and I know a lot of people here have big things about alcohol and all the rest of it, but you know, alcohol isn't, you've got two things going on in Ireland when we talk about alcohol. You've got what I call a pub culture, which is basically the only place that the community would go and hang out. So the whole families would go to the pub on a Friday night and the dads would have a beer and you know, they would have a, but basically there would be a, a sing song and there'd be music being played and, and a fire would be burning and that was kind of where they interacted. So historically, that's still in, in the people. So whenever it comes to Christmas and, and I know you guys do Thanksgiving, um, our Christmas tends to be, uh, you know, having some Americans who work for the church and it, they kind of see things that are slightly different. So w we do family and community big time at Christmas, but actually it's not far removed from what we would do on a Sunday. Most Sundays, it's not far removed from, from what goes on. So I think community is still very high value. Uh, I, I think it is lessening, but I, I do think it's still, compared to coming over to the United States, it's still we have high value. And actually what's funny to me is I, I talk to Americans they want what we have. I hear that all the time. It's like, yeah. oh, you guys do community so well. I, I love that. So when we bring teams in from the States or, or we see, that's the one thing they look around and that's the one thing I think they pick up on where they go, you guys actually do family really well. Yeah. And I do think that's a pride that we have. I think our divorce rates in Northern Ireland particularly are some of the lowest in Europe 
because of that reason. Wow. Uh, I think also, you know, we're still the most church country in the planet. Yeah. Um, not, not saying that's necessarily uh, always a good thing, because I think there's a difference between church and Christianity. So sure. I think there's high values and high, high, high community built into our, 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 our psychology, and that probably won't go away in a hurry. Do you think your parenting style, like from like, I know like Amber and I, we, you know, we came up from different sets of parents, a lot of same values to it, but we both bring almost like a, brought some different things to it. Do you think like you and Rachel uh, have brought different styles uh, to your parenting? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Rachel had different expectations to me. I mean, when I grew up, I got beat, you know, I like my... I think a beat sore I wasn't abused but yeah. but you know if I made a mistake I got walloped my and I yeah. knew I was in big trouble I think you can't do that to kids these days you go to jail but uh, I kind of think there's one of the things when when I grew up where we were used to shouting at each other we screamed at each other we blew off we ventilated and um, you know next day we laughed about it that was yeah. kind of the way it was yeah. Rachel never did that so when we suddenly had kids and there was a screaming match which is like freaking out going like what is going on and I'm like oh, what's wrong with you this is kind of how you do life so merging those two worlds together became a little bit of an interesting moment for us but I think um, uh, for for discipline I, I kind of learn more our kids actually today don't need much discipline and I think there's a reason for that I, I discovered that if you go hard sort of between six months and two and go quite hard on them in regards to setting boundaries and setting protocols and, 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 and place that actually that's something that kids then when they're 13 or 14 15 have pre-built I, I actually think there's something in disciplining a kid not i don't mean finally beating them that's what i'm talking yeah. about but what i'm talking about is making sure that the boundaries you know if there's a fire that that they know that that they can't do that and certain things that, that they've kind of learned early on i've just find that when we did we were quite hard on our kids at that age i find now that at 12 13 14 my kids actually don't need an awful lot of discipline and, and they do what they're told the first time and yeah. you know I think a lot of parents today you know you get that the, the counting parents you know I'm going to count to three if you're not yeah. down here one <laughs> two three we didn't do that in our house yeah. it was like if you're not down here now yeah. there's trouble yeah. and they knew if they weren't down now there was trouble so yeah. I think so this whole boundary thing has just gone out the window I, I think we just make boundaries straight clean and tidy and uh, yeah, I think that worked. So yeah, Rachel and I as parents, we, we had to probably adjust a little bit of that going on, but yeah. I, I, I haven't got, I, I have two good kids. It's like, yeah. I didn't have a trouble. So yeah. I, I can't sit here from a position of going, you know, my kids are rowdy or they were in trouble, they were getting into things. You know, the, the, the two of them are very different. Ethan's much more quieter and kind of more carries himself differently. Aaron's much more fun loving, a bit mischievous. So she would get herself in a lot of bother and then laugh about it and then try and sort of flirt her way out of it sort of thing, you know? and. Yeah. Uh, Whereas Ethan would just sit down and cry. Yeah. If he got into trouble, he's like, he's yeah. a crier. So he's like, oh no. It's like, so yeah. So I, I think probably our kids are, are different. Um, discipline, I don't think I have to do much of that anymore. Yeah. I think there's a place where we communicate a lot, where we talk a lot, where Rachel and I, if there's something going down or something's happened, or, you know, I think we caught Ethan lying on something fairly serious one time yeah. a few years back. And Rachel caught him and she called me and she's like, Ethan's lied here. And I'm like, okay, how do you know? And we looked at it and we talked, says, okay, so what are we gonna do? And we sat down together before we brought him into the room and decided this is what's gonna happen. We'll yeah. let him have a say. And depending on on whether he defended it and lied about it and made the thing worse, depending on, on what we had already pre-agreed to what was gonna be the problem. So we came in and we're like, okay, 
and we let him see what the thing was and he was like I'm so sorry <laughs> uh, you know and that was it that was it so you know but it got like that's not true and that's then so so the, the, I think the, 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 the leaning in on the levels of discipline will always come down because then they take responsibility for them yeah. um, teaching kids to take responsibility for their own thoughts their own actions and I think sometimes parents remove their ability to, to make choice I mean I remember one time uh, a, a kid a dad in a supermarket smacking his kid on the back of the head for saying the the f-bomb you know he dropped the f-word and as his dad was correcting me he was like a mouthful of expletives about what the kid had said and i remember thinking you know monkey does what monkeys do (laughs) and and i'm like going you know so we have to model something that's fair and right and and i think today another issue that i see a lot in the kids that i work with especially in church and I think this is much bigger than maybe we know, and I've only got language for this lately, was you know, a whole justice and fairness issue. Yeah. Um, you know, kids today, I, I, <laughs> I was with a group of teenagers a couple of Tuesday nights ago, and uh, I, uh, I, 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 they were talking about what was fair. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to teach kids that life isn't fair, and that you know, you know, when we grew up, we got an award, maybe not I didn't but the generation sort of between us got an award for everything yeah. you know, if you came last so it didn't matter whether you came first or last you got an award yeah, and this kind of participation trophy here yes yeah. it, it's, I mean that's just like so terrible it's like <laughs> my generation yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a terrible thing yeah. because because it's kind of like because here's the truth it's like a winner a winner's worked hard to win yeah. and if someone's a loser and they've lost it's like they're not like they, they actually feel worse about themselves because yeah. they've got given something that they didn't earn yeah and I think that that's created a culture today in this particular generation where one of the real funny things happened last week, I'll, I'll just quick story. Uh, I was in a room full of teenagers and I've been working with this particular their new group of teenagers in our new church in St. Patrick. And um, uh, we're talking about what was fair. And so I, I asked I asked the room beforehand, which 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 half of their, you know, who, who believed their life was fair and who believed their life wasn't fair? Um, so we went around the room a little bit and they all had a little bit of chat about why they thought it wasn't fair and fair. So I said, all the what so I said, look, all you guys who believed your life was fair, come out with me. And I took them out of the room and I got this group who believed their life was fair and I said, Look, I'm gonna give you a gift. And the gift's expensive, we'll have monetary value, and I'm gonna bring it next Saturday. And there's probably about twenty kids, I had about six of them who believed their life was fair. And they were all like, uh, okay. So I took them back in the room and I said, Look, you cannot tell the rest of this room what what I've said. So we go back in again and there was this there was this obvious kind of like, okay, what just happened? <laughs> so as the night unfolds, we began to talk about fairness and about justice and what's right. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, as the night unfolded, one of the kids let loose that what I had did, you know, that I'd taken them out and given them a gift and that this wasn't fair for everybody else in the group. And he said, I don't want the gift because I don't want to be different from the rest of this group. And then when I got to the rest of the six kids, they were all like, no, I don't want the gift neither because I don't want to be different or seem to be judged because I was outside the room. Now, they played perfectly into my hands. And as I began to talk around this room, we began to really talk about what was fair and what was not. And what I realized is that fairness and justice is actually a massive issue in homes. And I think think I've got a a language. So when Ethan and Aaron cut a cake, I say, Ethan, cut that piece of cake for you and your sister and cut it in half. And you know Ethan's the eldest, so he's got, he's never cutting it in half. He's cutting the sixty forty, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing there's a screaming match in the kitchen and going, "Daddy, Ethan hasn't cut this piece of cake right." It's like this isn't half, and Ethan's going, "It is. It's cut in half. Look." 
And then Aaron and him are having this conversation. You're listening to it, and Aaron's going like, "Well, okay, you okay? If that's fair, then you give me your half. No, this is my half." And there's this back and forth, and and that's a fairness issue. Now, as long as the two of them are in a room and they're on the same par, the fairness is will, will be issued. It becomes a justice issue when the authority of the house then walks into the room. So when the authority walks in and looks at the cake, the authority should balance it. And that's what Lady Justice is about, you know, the scales and balance it. So what what a dad should say is, okay, take that 10% of that cake, Ethan, and give that to your sister. Uh, inevitably, what I would normally do is take the piece of cake off him and give it to sister. That's kind of how I balance it all. But but to be fair, you cut the 10% off. But, but trouble begins to happen whenever a kid then feels like, so if I go in and go, no, actually, that is fair. And it is a 60-40 split. Well, what tends to happen then in Erin is she has this underlying fairness and justice issue because daddy now has endorsed something that in her mind isn't correct or fair. And I've discovered that one of the biggest issues that I see with kids today is this. Because the idea of being different or having something that makes you different to the rest of your your peers, or, or yeah, it, it becomes a problem. So they don't want to be judged. They don't want to be uh, treated differently. They don't want to be separate. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to me just how much that's more commonplace than maybe we even see. And uh, I think our kids today, Ethan particularly in some of his environment, I, I'm discovering that we have to be very careful about what seems to be fair and what's balanced. But also, I also want to teach them that sometimes Aaron gets a treat. And that's a, you know, there's things that me we'll do. Uh, Ethan, my son's into fly fishing. He loves his fishing. He ties flies. He's he's just fishing on the brains. And over the year, we spend thousands of pounds on fishing gear, whereas Aaron doesn't do any of that stuff. So she's into her music and her dance and her drama. So you know, so we'll treat her to a show and different. So Ethan's like, well, that's not fair. Aaron gets to go, and then but daddy, that's not fair. He's just got a new rod, and so there's this whole thing of fairness goes on all the time in families, and yeah. it's one of the things where I'm going, no, 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 no. You don't get to say what's fair. This is mum and dad blessing you, and we'll choose when we do this. And that's kind of how the world works. So I think I've tried to help our kids really get ready for that because when you go out there and they hit 19 and 20 yeah. and they realize, actually, the world really isn't fair yeah. and that the only way they're going to do anything is to get up of their chair and do something. And that, and I think I'm trying to put that into my kids early on, and I think that's probably my biggest thing probably in the last, especially now that they're age with their teenagers, that would be the thing that I spot a lot on where I'm like, okay, there's a fairness thing here and justice. And I clip that very quickly. And uh, yeah, Aaron will let things go a little bit easier than Ethan will. Ethan will hold on to that a bit more. So yeah. So when you talk about that from like parenting, I was going to ask you about parenting your children differently. I mean, they, they definitely both from, from what I see that I know that they have different personalities, different ways they handle things. And so even from like, not even from a discipline standpoint, but even maybe from like a valuing standpoint or, you know, how, how would you say you, you treat Ethan different than Aaron or how, how would that, how would that look? Well, one's a boy, one's a girl. That's the first thing. Yeah. Uh, I think even when we were, they were younger, there was always difference in them. Um, you know, if you had shouted it hard at Ethan, he, he, he would have just crumbled. Whereas Aaron, you could shout and holler all day. She didn't, didn't matter to her. Uh, whereas if you put Aaron on the step, on the naughty step, that drove her crackers, whereas Ethan could sit there all day. So from a discipline perspective, they were always very different from when you were younger. Uh, growing up, I think, not discipline, but just talking about how we treat them differently as well. You know, Erin's value is for quality time. She Her value is for dates. Her va- you know, For me particularly, you know, when you're a busy pastor at church, you have to take some time out, and I, I'm very good at trying to make sure that we get time. 
So every now and again, I'll pick her up from school. We'll go to Starbucks for a date, and you know she'll get spoiled with a, a you know, a super-sized cookie and and a, and a hot chocolate, and, and we'll sit and we'll just chat and talk and have a laugh and how's it going. So so there's things where, where we have to do that. Ethan's not a dirty type person, but you you know we'll get up at six thirty some mornings. We'll go to the river, and um, you know one of the things we we do is we fish a lot together and and on our local river bank and. You know, he chats a lot of guys, learn a lot of social cues there. But every now and again, we'll just suddenly have a conversation that happens. And, you know, it's really funny because he's learned a lot about the birds and the bees out there. You know, I, you know, creating a healthy conversation around even sexual contacts. You know, yeah. what we talked to Aaron about and what I talked to Ethan about are two different things. And I've discovered that even on the river, you know, we're going up watching the fish spawn. You know, so watching the trout and the salmon spawning. Uh, well, what's spawning, Dad? And you go into the whole conversation and then the next thing was like, well... How do, how do mommy and daddy spawn, you know? And that's kind of how the conversations go. So there's a whole lot of things that you do, and each of them are very differently how we've, how we've embraced that. I don't think it's been difficult. Um, Ethan, Ethan's Mr. Catman. He loves his snuggles. He's cuddly. You know, he'll come in still and he'll cuddle. Erin, she, when she needs a cuddle, she'll come looking new. So the two of them are very, very different and do that. But yeah, I think that's flexibility, and, and I, don't, I don't find that as a... When you get to the bottom of how they're both... Yeah. their needs um, yeah I think uh, I think we also have to be always moving towards them I think sometimes we wait for our kids to move towards us as parents and I think one of the things that I've been learning lately is that I have to go out of the way so you know a couple of things that I, I, I realised um, I, was, I was reading in the you know in scripture I was reading about the story of Noah uh, and it really struck me how you know Noah had two sons and Noah got drunk one night and was naked and one of his sons came in and ridiculed him and the other son came in and covered him up and protected him and I remember thinking which son was right uh, and then I remember coming to the conclusion that actually no son was right because the father should never have put his sons in that position in the first place the father was the one that actually was wrong and it really taught me a lesson that fathers that actually we need to be moving towards our kids that if we're waiting for our kids to respond to us or come and talk to us that we actually have to be proactive yeah. and um, last year I realised with Ethan there's a wee thing that happened I just kind of felt like not a major one, but I felt there was a slight disconnect between him and us. Nothing that I think language might have been explained. He just gives us a matter of feeling. Uh, and we were at a church conference and we are doing a, a prayer tunnel thing. And, and he came up and I just stood and I just gave him a big hug for a very long time. And uh, I didn't realise this until afterwards, but he, he had cried. Um, and that changed something where it was kind of like this approval of a hug, of holding him and, uh, and just letting them know that he was loved and cared for um, did something in him. And our relationship changed after that. But I realised that it wasn't something I would have naturally done, but I made a point of doing this, uh, and that was a very powerful moment. So I think we as dads have to remember that, that you know, I think I have to remember that it's my job to go after them, seek them out, hold them, make sure that they're doing okay uh, in their minds and their emotions and help them deal with their emotions properly. And, and I think I, I, I think we do that well. I, I, as I said, I, I think I've got two kids that are pretty good that way. I, I, I'm, I'm privileged not to have kids that are off the rails yet anyway. They may go there, but not yet. But I do think there's a place where where, where we lean into a lot of that. you know. So. Well, I think even like you said about, uh, I was thinking about proactive and reactive parenting. Yeah. You know, I think some people are very good about being how they're going to react to something. But just like you said about the proactive side of it, you know, what are the things that you're instilling and what are you, you know, what are you trying to do? And I, and I think that Demetrius and I both have daughters. And so that's one thing that we don't, neither one of us have a son okay. from that aspect. And so I was thinking about how, what do you feel like is your dad responsibility of 
investing into your daughter. Okay. Um, <laughs> Aaron's more or less, okay, so it's interesting. Rachel is a music teacher. She's a teacher in school. She loves that she works in an old girls school. And um, I, I'm much more, you know, we're men's men. We fish, we hunt, we watch football and uh, soccer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the show notes, we're going to put down all of the words that he said and yeah. put the English translation to yeah. it. So, okay, so, 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 so just see that thing you do. That's not called football. Yeah. Uh, that's called handball. Uh, uh, I said, we kick a football around with a foot football. So just, just to put that right. So just so you're aware, we're talking about soccer. Okay, so we watch soccer. And Ethan and I are United, United, Man United men. We were over at Old Trafford a couple of weeks ago. We were to watch the game together. So there's things we, me and Ethan will do together that are very specifically for him and work for him. For Erin, Erin's musical. She loves her drama. She loves her shows. So Rachel's into all of that as well. So there's things that Erin gets a lot more needed of where they'll go and watch. Like, you know, they just go on and watch Mary Poppins together last week and you know like me and Ethan are like nah definitely not for us but she's away loving it there and then she's coming in and chatting so, she, so we've kind of think in our home we've kind of it's not boys v girls type of thing but the girls do the girls thing and the boys do the boys thing and I think that's that's kind of the way it is so when it comes to cross pollination there's times you know Rachel will do things with Ethan that will be you know walk in a park or a bike and chat so they do a lot of that sort of stuff whereas Erin needs me to spend money on her like she's a girl like that's just the way it is yeah. and I've just discovered with Erin that you know if I take her out and you know so we, we have a shop back home called Primark and it's like I don't know what it's like it must be like JC Penney's or something here you know it's like it's kind of like it's a Primark and Erin just loved that shop and, you know and you can go in there and you can come out with like six bags worth of stuff for like 50 pounds you know and like so every now and again it's just going out there and going okay go buy what you want she's like for real? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you've got, but you've got a limit, but you can just go and get, let's, let's go get you some clothes. And she's like, yeah, so we'll spend two hours in there. Like, I'm ready to, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready to get home. And she's like, you know, so, so every now and again, you just have to go to your way. So, so she's much more fed by, by what you buy her, what you appreciate on her and, and, and doing me things, you know, so she, she's gift oriented. Ethan, you know, give him fly line and, and a fishing rod and he's over the moon. So I, I think I think I've learned that the, the two. So from a daughter's perspective, um, I think Erin, I just need to make sure that, that she's doing okay. She's checking in. You know, I'm away. Ethan will be a breeze in a park to him. For her, me being away for a couple of weeks, that'll be a hard, hard tell. She, 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 I think she's, she's a bit of a daddy's girl. And, you know, so. Did that take you time to kind of figure that out? Because, you know, I have two daughters, like Jeff said, and it was weird for me at first because like I have two younger brothers so my dad and my dad played in the NFL like we were talking about before and so we were sports yeah everything was a lesson it had to do with sports yeah like so in our in our household like we were just like that's how we were and then in my household it's like my wife my two daughters like they like have taken over and I've been trying to like figure out a way to like get in and you know kind of get my rhythm with them and I finally got it but you know, and I think another part of it too was my first daughter we, I had when I was like 21. So I was immature myself. <laughs> so she was kind of like a practice kid. So this, we're trying, I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to figure it out, but did, did it take you time to kind of figure out kind of like that rhythm with, with your daughter? Yeah. Well, I, I think probably I, I have three sisters they are all younger. Okay. Okay. I'm my mom, my dad died when I was 21. So I, I, I've kind of been around girls my whole life, so okay. I'm pretty good with girls. Okay. I've had three sisters. Now, 
we, we had crazy stuff happen in our, our house growing up. I mean, you know, part about that when they became teenagers, there was one week yeah. that they all went off together, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I yeah. left the house because yeah. that was a bad place to be. So I kind of worked out very early on yeah. how, how, yeah. how to do female. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think, I think I learned that and I had that in me. In fact, I had to actually probably, I found it more difficult with Ethan actually coming out of that environment where, yeah. okay, I've not had this. This, this daddy-son bond thing going on other than my own dad. Yeah. So that that was the kind of thing for me It was harder. So, no, to be honest with you with Erin, I think figuring figuring her out is really... Figuring out your kids is really key. Mm-hmm. The quicker you figure them out, yeah. they're quiet. They'll not... They'll keep secrets and not tell you. I've just found that if you if you start to dig around their secrets and they're not ready to tell you, you'll cause more distance. Yeah. I'm just fine. Let them secrets be because, you know, everybody's got secrets. Mm-hmm. And I think if parents need to and be too intrusive, they can go overboard. But I think we have to be able to, you know, there's an old saying that, that we say, you know, you, you, can't, you can't make your horse drink your water, but you can salt its oats. And I think there's things that I will do regularly that will salt the oats of our kids to make them come and respond to us. So if I kind of know there's something going down on Ethan and I've learned it, I'm like, I'm not going to go in there hard and go, hey, what's going on, man? There's something not right. I'll I'll kind of just throw a few things in the mix and you know you know pick them up from school and say hey you doing all right at the minute everything okay seem a little bit distant you know so we we will kind of not ply on in with Aaron it's like a spade a spade with Ethan it takes a bit of difference so with Aaron I've just found like it's has it taken me time with Aaron probably no to be honest with you I've been pretty good with that but I think again that's my sisters Ethan a little bit longer it's it's been a figuring him out now he's fourteen I mean he's six foot he plays rugby. He, he, he speaks with a big deep voice now, you know. It's like, <laughs> sounds like another man in the house, you know. And he, he came in the other day, he goes, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of a, you know, bum fluff, we call it, you know, right here on the on the tash. And he's like, Dad, I think I need to shave this off. I said, shave what off? I can't see anything. And he's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, I just feel it. I said, now listen, I'm telling you, if you're going to go here, there's no going back. Yeah. You know, once you start, that's yeah. it. Yeah. So he's like, all right, I'll leave it for another while. And he came back three days later. Said, "No, nah, I thought about it. I'm, I'm going to shave." So you know, it's like it's a rite of passage. And like, this is Gillette, the best a man can get. You know, and you're like, okay. And here's how it works. You take a shave, and 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 so so now he's got a wee bit of stubble, and he's like, you know, he's and they're just learning how to do the the, the thing. So so I, I find it good fun. It's what it's what the, the bit that you know this age group for me is. But Rachel kind of think misses the the younger age group. This yeah. is this is my this yeah, is my. You're thing, in your you wheelhouse now. Yeah. In this yeah, age yeah. group. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so no, no, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy parenting, and, and I, I think I think you do. You know, I, and we're, we're, I can't remember. Are you the, are you the oldest? Yeah, I'm the eldest. You're the, I'm yeah. the oldest of three. I have three sisters yeah. of one one year below me, two year below me, and then six years below me. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, and then also as well, I think as my mom and my sister were like nannies, they were childcare. So I grew up with a house full of kids all the time. I've yeah. been changing nappies all my life. You know, I've been cleaning up poop from the floor. You know, so I've kind of been around kids. I've been around all of that. Then I was a youth worker for years. So, you know, so I think I kind of, I've got insight that maybe slightly a bit of a cheat on, on other people. So I, I, I do feel a bit more privileged that I have got some ammunition and information that maybe most general parents don't do. I mean, it's quite funny. Our, our, some of our young folks that we married a few years back are all now suddenly having kids. Uh, you know, we've had yeah. four babies in our church the last couple of weeks and you know and they're very in different degrees but it's really funny that you know there's there's a young couple who just got married Shree and Jordan lately and uh, uh, you know they've had kids growing up but they really weren't that bothered with them so now Jordan and Shree have just had their baby and they're kind of looking at this baby going like 
what the heck? <laughs> like Jordan's like totally like stunned, you know, and it's like, it's going to take them time. And, you know, there's another couple Phil and Christine, the baby last year. And, you know, we went up in and the first night, the baby just hadn't pooped yet. And we were there early on and the baby was just, all of a sudden the baby started poop. And Phil's like holding this baby and there's poop flying out of it. And he's like, he's, me and Richard was like laughing going, he's like, you have no clue what to do. So watching some of the younger ones and watching and, and going through and kind of, you know, and I, so, and the truth is we never had that. We always, yeah. Rich and I both, we grew up with kids so we knew how to handle them. I think the problem is that a lot of, a lot of, you know, oh, it's great, let's have a kid. Now we have them, what do we do? Yeah. And so you have to really learn on your feet. And I think if marriage isn't sort of set up right and, and taught, and I know certainly our young people, we teach them a lot about this, but you know, you, you can't really tell anybody what it's like before you have a kid. You yeah. just have to learn to do it yourself. Yeah. But I think there's a part where teaching people just to, to, to early on, you know, I, I'm watching one young couple at the minute just had a baby and the baby's like coming up to a year and she started stamping her feet and throwing things down and throwing temper tantrums and you know, and I'm like, look, look, you guys, you need to go hard now for the next month. Just go really hard at this age. And I promise you, this will, will die now. And you'll not have this when they're 12, 13, 14. Um, they're going, no, but she's so good. And they go, all right, on your own head, bit. But, you know, so people have to learn to take and, and go. But I do think I feel slightly privileged that I, I you know, I, I will boast that we actually have got quite good kids. And I think I think that's been down to with Rich and I's parenting skills and uh, you know, I, I don't think everybody has a, a, a. I think there hasn't been. There's been ugly days as well, but you know, we've had a pretty good upbringing with our two kids, and and, uh, and I hope to goodness that continues. But I, I, I enjoy it. I have fun. You know, yeah. it's, uh, our kids are fun. I, I, I have a good time. With, you know. One goal most parents have is to make more time for your family, but what and how? We can't take vacation all the time to improve our family dynamics. But it doesn't have to be that hard. With a little initiative, we can help you navigate your family on the path you've always hoped for. Welcome to FamBox. Our goal is to help families connect better. Our starter kit is called the Work in Progress Toolbox. Before you can set out on this adventure to make your family what you want it to be, you need to have a base, a starting point, something you can measure growth with your family when it gets off track. In FamBox, you will take time to discover the mission of your family through a series of interactive activities and open communication. Together as a family, you will set the foundation of what your family is all about. So get ready for this new adventure. Go to fanbox.org for more details. Well, we're with John Ash here from Journey Community Church in Antrim, Northern Ireland. And, uh, we're gonna go now into the uh, the real honest dad questions. So now we're gonna really uh -oh. kind of we're gonna dive just a just a tiny bit deeper, and uh, it's kind of what, what we wanted to be because I think that uh, when Demetrius and I started this, we were just like, you know, what we wanted to have a, a place where people would just be really honest and just to say that you know we don't have everything all figured out, we don't have everything perfect, and so um, I know from being over with you um, seven summers in a row that. Uh, uh, you not only have pastored church, which is a super difficult thing to do, you've just now launched into a second campus, a second church in Downpatrick. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to kind of hit on what is the balance like? How do you keep the balance? And sometimes I, I know it's probably not there because there are demands on everything, but how do you keep the balance? One of one of being a dad, and but one even just like, your relationship with your wife and 
just keeping the family, you know, that you're, you still feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this thing together. Mm. Um, I, I, again, I think I'm privileged in, in one way. Um, you no, know, my life is never balanced. You're quite right. I, I think when we started the other church, I, I think I knew we were going to go into a period of busyness and craziness that wasn't, you know, unprecedented. And I think I thrive on pressure. I think the first thing is I, I'm married to a wife who gets it. I, I think I thank God every day for Rachel that she gets the mission, gets the, she gets me, and she gets what God's called me to do. You know, and her as well because I couldn't do this without her. I, I think there's other wives who would really be putting a leash on their husbands if, if they were like me. So I think the first thing is Rachel is very free and easy. She doesn't require my time the way that maybe some other wives might. Uh, you know, she doesn't need me to be at home all the time doing the things. You know, I, I do my bit and, and I, I pull a bit. So uh, Rachel and I, we, we move together really well. I think that works really well. And I think that actually comes down into the kids, that the kids have learned that from us. Yeah. Oh, there's not an issue here for mommy. I think the problem comes whenever it's like, if you do go out of bo- out of out of kilter and I am pushing it a little bit further than I should be, Rachel very quickly go, hey, look, kids are feeling this. And then I'll readdress that very quickly. So I kind of have a good module for balance. My, my balance monitor knows if I'm if I'm going too hard for two weeks, yeah. I've got to take a week out somewhere and rebalance this again. Yeah. So constantly rebalancing that's, that, that's been hard. It has been hard this year, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. It's been a busy run, um, you know, it's been flat out. Uh, I think two things are kids are Christians. I think they get it. I think they also know that this is part of the calling of God. And we taught that into them very young that, yeah. that look, you know, daddy is going to go away. He's going to go to the States because that's part of his job. And, and he is going to do these things. And you have to be okay with that. That's that's kind of like your sacrifice to God sometimes. So teaching them not, not to have that. So I think I've got to really work hard before I go and after I come back. You know, the fact that Aaron loves justice here and, you know, that shop. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, so I, you know, she, she, she's already. So the justice and fairness comes to a whole yes, different absolutely. level when so, you come to the States. Yeah, so, so we're going so, to justice. So I'm like, justice. so, you know, and, and Ethan's like, you know, so we get him some stuff. So they know I come back with lots of presents for them. So in some senses, it's like, oh, goody, we're getting some presents. But I think the truth is that, you know, the balance isn't, isn't always easy. And I, it, I, I'm not lying. It's a fear of mine. That maybe in ten years' time I'll look back and go, did I throw too much life at the church, too much uh, passion and debt, and not enough of my family, and that they they dissipate? I don't think that's going to be the case, but it, it is an underlying worry that I would have. Now and again, I go, sure, I, I I got. I think I think I'm pretty good at spotting that. I I think I'm I'm pretty good. I'm not naive or foolish to know, hey, it's time to step back here, and uh, and I'm thankful for a really good team in around the two churches who also agree with that and spot that and. Uh, you know, if, if I'm, they're, they're, you know, I, I create a culture in our place where people call a spade a spade. You know, we set back home, you know, a spade a spade. I don't really say that here or not, but it's like, you know, we call it out as it is. Yeah. And I have elders and leaders and staff members who they're looking at me going, bang, when was the last time you saw your wife? When was the last time you did it? You know, they're like calling me out on that and I've given them permission to do that. So they'll keep me right in a lot of that. So, yeah. I, and it's I, almost the community on that yeah, side. Yeah. That is, because uh, yeah. you yeah. do have a lot of people that care about you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's that's good. And, and I, 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 some people care too much, and you're like, you know, you're not spending enough time with kids. Like, yeah, you know. So it's like, you know, there's there's a balance here as well. It's like, yeah, okay, look, look, you know. So I, 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 I do get tired quickly. I get, I know when I'm on burnout, and when I'm on burnout, it's like, I mean, I was on burnout for Christmas. I'm like two weeks off, and two weeks over here, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. I sometimes you just got to get out of dodge and like 
just take some time with God and, and recalibrate and that you know an unhappy John Ash back home when he's tired and burnt out is no good for no, and nobody wants that so yeah I gotta keep my eyes on that as well so and this might be in the same question but what do you think your biggest challenge is as a parent today oh, well they're always changing um Today is probably making sure that, uh, so Ethan's at 14, he's picking his direction now for his life. It's that age now where the, 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 uh, the stuff he picks, what he does. I really want him to make decisions for himself. So I, I think making sure that he makes those right decisions, you know, we're suddenly now looking at the financial obligations for university and what that might or might not look like. And, yeah. you know, it's like, no, no harm to you, son, but fishing's not going to probably bring you much of a livelihood. Yeah. You're probably going to have to get something. So helping them focus in on that and really make decisions as they're going forward is key at the moment for both of them. You know, what is it you want to do with your life? What is it you want to go on and do? Uh, how, how are you going to get there? What, what are you going to do to attain that? So we're, we're talking a lot of that. Um, and how would you say about that? Like earlier on, you're talking about, uh, you know, giving them the ability to make mistakes. Yeah. Would you say when you're talking about direction, would you say that that's something that you want to be more involved in, or do you want to give them the opportunity, or how how would you how would you yeah, uh, handle I that? Yeah, I think Rachel and I are slightly different in this. I wouldn't say a major difference, but it would be slightly different. Rachel's a teacher; education's high up for her, so full education process for Rachel's like important, and not so much for me. I kind of think you can. You can survive sometimes. Without, I mean, I actually, I never went to university until later on. I went back into a degree in theology later. But, you know, I kind of got a head start on my age group by not going to university. Like, I was four years in the world, had a business and people working for me and doing okay when other people coming out of, out of school and, and, and they just weren't, you know, they weren't in the same place I was. So I think there's two ways to, to do that. But for Ethan, you know, setting, what I want to do is I go, I want to see what they're passionate about. Like, what do you love? What do you do? For him, it's fishing, it's rivers. He loves ecology, he loves all of that stuff. So one of the things that, that we did earlier on this year was uh, uh, Dr. Richard Kennedy. He's a, he's a fish migration specialist, and we're involved in our local river quite a lot. And the fish that come into our river are wild brown trout. They're specifically native to our river. And they've been doing a lot of research in this scientifically. And um, Dr. Kennedy came in earlier on this year to put trackers inside some of the fish that we had caught. So Ethan and I were out the night before with some other guys catching the fish, and then the next day the surgeon, the, the doctor came and he put the trackers inside the fish, and then we released them again for the data to come back. Ethan just said, "That's the sort of job I would love to do." So all of a sudden, his his all of his his education has come up because he's very focused in now because he knows where he's going to go and he knows what he want to do. So yeah. probably end up in some like biology thing and stuff. So I'm really glad he's got a direction. I think at this stage it might be panicking if he hadn't somewhere to go with it all. Yeah. So at least he's got a passion for something and, 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 and wants to go down that road. And uh, so I kind of think for me, that's my biggest challenge right now is making sure that they are landing and pointing the right way. You know, they're 14, probably the next four years, five years, all of a sudden you're in very different territory now. We're going like, what's a career plan? So right now that's, kind of starting to surface on our radar. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I think we're both laid back in that whatever will be, will be type of thing, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it says if you raise a kid well, you do a kid well, like, my two will do okay, no matter what they put their hand to. Yeah. You know, even if it's not university or they don't come out, something will be okay. So I don't get too worried about this. Rachel maybe a little bit more, but I'm kind of going, yeah, whatever will be, will be, take each day at a time. So I kind of think for that, for challenges, um, my biggest challenge is always the time factor. It's like yeah. making sure that, that I spend enough time and making sure that they see that and I'm visible. And I think sometimes you can be home and not home. 
Yeah. I, I visibility's high for me. So whenever yeah. I do come home, I go in there and I'm loud. Yeah. I, I am visible. I make sure they know I'm home. You know, I'll go in and talk to them and chat to them. So high visibility. I think a lot of parents sometimes come to be so tired. You go straight home from work. You know, last thing you want to do is do anything else. You eat your dinner and you watch TV and you switch off. I, I think I make a point of being visible. And the more I've gone on for it, the more I think I realize we have to be visible when we come home. Make sure they know you're visible and you're there. And there's a place for them to curl up beside you and give you a snuggle and a cuddle and do that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's probably. No, that's good. That's good because we've been talking about that a lot. We talk about being being present, but I think even more is like being engaged. Because yeah. you, can, you can be present in a room and still not be present. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a good way to say that. So, a couple last questions here. What is one thing you'd want like to do over as a parent? What's a what's a what's one do over you would take? Wow. Uh, I I think I wish I could have learned how to work Ethan out uh, sooner than I learned to work Aaron out. Yeah. I I think it probably took me until probably the last few years to really get my head around some of that. Um. I wish I could have figured some of that stuff out a lot earlier on. I, things might have been a bit different. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I, I think we did pretty well. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think. I think. Uh, did I look back at any regrets? Um, no, not really. Um, do I think? Do I think there's some things that I could have done better from not from their perspective, from my own? Yeah, I guess I, I would have. I, I probably at a very early stage, uh, we, you know, there's a period in our lives whenever we were in transition through some things, and I think those were a lot harder emotionally on Rachel and I, um, and uh, that bore fruit on the kids. Uh, there's a couple of disciplinary things that I did early on that I still now know play a, f- a, a factor, and um, uh, there's a few things just as I personally regret look back on, and you know, I I I, I went to the butchers one day to get meat, and there's a long queue, and I left the kids in the car. And I came back to two very fearful screaming kids, and I'm like, "Yeah, I won't do that again," <laughs> because today they still trigger on that. Yeah. So there's a few things that I did looking back on. I'm like, "Going, oh, no, you know, I wish I knew not to do that." But then you don't know, and that's yeah. part of the learning yeah. curve. So, yeah. but no, I, 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 I feel pretty, yeah, I feel pretty good. I think we're gonna ask Rachel this question, his wife, when uh, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Yeah, I'm just teasing about that. So okay, um, I think what I wanted to end with is. Um, Kind of going back to a spiritual question is that uh, how would you say would you measure spiritual growth in your children? Because um, and I'll, the context is like every time I come, it's very, very easy for me to go, wow, Ethan's going to be taller than me this time that I see him, you know, mm-hmm. or you can see how much Aaron's grown up or you come back and see my daughters and you see how Brooke's the tallest now of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I'm just curious about what your thoughts are on like how. How would you, how would you look at your children, or or maybe maybe we'll go even a little broader as a generation, you know? How would you say that you that you would measure spiritual growth? I I, okay, I'll maybe not talk about my kids first because I think my kids maybe are slightly different than the rest of them. I think pastors' kids generally are at that age. Um, I I think generally, two things. Um, we brought a really good kids worker into our church. I, I specifically hunted her out. And Stacy has just been like phenomenal, and the spiritual growth in our kids is just like nothing else. They they're experiential, it's biblical, it's, uh, and I think that has had a huge effect on my own kids personally. So it is interesting to me that you know I, I didn't realize just how much influence 
kids workers within a church context actually have and who they are that's taught me as a pastor to value that a lot higher so i think i think there's a you know it's what you said earlier it takes a whole village to raise the kids you know i'm realizing that the teachers and how happy they are at school become a big factor as well and our two kids went to a great school primary school um you know uh, elementary you would call it here and and you know and and they, they had good teachers and, and, and good friendships and good relationships. So I think that's key uh, to, to, to what they do. I think today it is definitely harder to raise kids. There's no doubt about it. I think social media, particularly iPhones and, and the internet, has really probably changed the scope of how we do things. The way they communicate, you know, they don't know how to communicate their emotions anymore. I think that's the thing for me is like they communicate online so emotionally you know and then when they get to 16 and 17 they don't know how to date you know it's like when a guy wants to ask a girl out it's like you know he, he doesn't have to go and go through the whole yes but no but yes awkward <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> conversation it's like a hey fancy a date yeah you know thumb up on on facebook so they so so communicate emotionality i think is the biggest biggest problem young people have today so i think helping kids become emotionally intelligent is part of my job i think it's a lot of training i do and i think our you know that's why i want my kids to feel so i think one of the the pluses that we have had is that though they are emotionally intelligent like so you're talking about spiritual maturity like Ethan is a feeler he, he he's a little bit like me and sometimes i'm quite prophetic if i walk into a room and feel Ethan will pick up spiritual atmospheres, temperatures. He also reads people like, you know, he 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 now can, you know, we had a woman in our house a couple of weeks ago, and and she, she was fairly disturbed and had a lot of a lot of deep psychological issues going on, and we were past her a bit, and Ethan had to spend a wee bit of time with her until I get home, chatting to her and stuff, and then the night he came in, and he was like, Daddy, that that lady's not right, is she? And I went, No. And he says, you know, I really just try to chat to her and make her feel it. So he, he, he is a pastor in a start, so he's doing quite well. He's lethargic in other things. He's a teenage boy. You know, it's just like, you know, you know, he's not reading his Bible. He's not praying the way he should. But he goes to church, loves church. He's involved. He serves. He's, he's a drummer, so he's in a worship band. And, and, you know, so he's a quieter man when it comes to his, his own faith. Erin, on the other hand, she's a worshiper. So she's singing at the top of her voice. She's worshiping all the time. She's reading her scripture. She makes little notes for herself. She gets up, she reads the Bible. So she started at the start of the year there. She's just doing her daily Bible notes. So, you know, no, I, I'm, I'm impressed with our two kids. I hope it lasts. I, I think they've got relationship with God. I think it's not just based on the parents. Not just They're not following our lead. Um, you know, both of them had an experience with God young on. Um, you know, I sometimes look down and go, how the heck did we get so so good kids spiritually? So not their influence on their group. They are powerful. Erin loves praying for people. She loves seeing people healed. So Ethan gets excited at healing and, and, and the mystery of God as well. So he loves prayer ministry and praying for people. So, you know, they love all that. They love prophecy and uh, that'll be a big part of our church. So, you know, I've got kids now that can walk up and prophesy to adults and not blink. They can pray for healing. You know, they have children's faith and children's faith sometimes is what we need to get back to. Is I think somebody else said that one time, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, that we need to get back to children's faith. So, no, again, I think measuring spiritual context, I don't think it's the case for everybody. I, I wish, you know, a lot of our young people were, were like my kids. But, yeah, today's culture really is tough on them spiritually. Um, so much going on. I mean, so, so much going on. And I think coming back to that whole judgmental thing and, you know, we, we've, we've got to start to show our kids that God's not a judge in God there will be judgment but he's not judging and there's a difference in that and teaching them how how to manage that sense of look 
this isn't about a list of rules and regulations because the truth is, is you teach kids rules and regulations just from the Bible perspective, we're teaching them behavior modification. We're not teaching them relationship. It's out of the relationship that you then modify your behavior because you want to fall in love more with Jesus. And I think helping them in relationship rather than behavior modification is something that I've been high on. So, you know, they do make mistakes, they do tell lies. I tend not to be as hard on them as maybe some other Christian parents might be. I'm much more about, hey, you know, you know, what does Jesus say about that? <laughs> How's that going for you? You know, let yeah. them let them realize, you know, often it's like, you know, it's like, Dad, this keeps happening. Yeah, I'm like, what do you think that's the case if that's happening? You know, take a long, hard look at yourself. So I'm always turning the mirror on them. I'm always making them look for themselves, see for themselves, yeah. not through my lens, through their lens. And I think that's really created them in a maturity and a healthy context for them to be able to, um, to grow. I well, think that's how it sticks too. Yeah. When, when they see it yeah. and they get it, instead yeah. of, just you transfer yep. it to them. Yeah. No, and it is a it is a huge problem for kids these days. Yeah. You know, I see it all the time, and, and I think I, I you know, I don't want to, I want to be critical of the American church because listen, man, you guys for years after years and years come over and help us. You know, you guys are resourceful, and I, I love something in American culture which is just you guys are always upbeat. Back home, I think it's a British way as well. We're always trying to pull everybody down. You know, we're always trying to like climb on top of each other. Whereas what I love about America is like, everybody has a nice day here. Have a nice day. You know, it's always positive. You're always upbeat. You know, you're never down, you're depressed. In Ireland, it's like, oh, how terrible it is. It's like, oh, it's dreadful. It's he's, like, it's he's like, been to Chick-fil-A too much. He keeps oh, yeah. thinking, oh, he thinks yeah. Chick-fil-A yeah. is the normal. Yeah, yeah. Chick-fil-A is awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like so. Yeah, but you haven't had a batter sausage, but that's a whole other story. And it's like, but you know, the thing, the thing, I'm, I'm, you know, so there's lots of things about America that I really like. But one, one of the things that I think that we see a lot of is this production line church. Uh, you know, it's like if we create a program and we put them in that program, and it's like, it's like we create an assembly line of of little mini Christians. And then at the hit 16, 17, where the production line doesn't work anymore, they go to university or they disappear off into the world. There's nothing there. And I've just found that a lot, that we're not really making disciples. Whereas one of the things is high up my agenda, but also I think we're better at it in that sense of, you know, we don't do program-driven church as much as it seems to be here. I think maybe we, we, we don't have the bigger churches that you guys have. We, we don't have, you know, uh, we still community-based church. We're still small towns. You know, you know I live in a town of 36,000. You know, it's like Northern Ireland has 1.9 million people in it. You know, it's like, whole country you know i think what's cleveland probably has what 12 million people in it yeah i think i think it's like four four million okay so so just the city of clay something like that (laughs) somewhere (laughs) between (laughs) anyway so you just take a size of your city yeah our whole country you know the whole island of ireland only has four and a half million people so it's like it's like it's like there's not the same population intake as what what there is you know if you take somewhere like i said like new york or you know, some of those people, we just don't have them. So so, so towns and communities tend to be smaller. Everybody knows, I mean, everybody knows me in my town. Everybody knows everybody. It's kind of the way it is. So it's not like, like that. So there's still that community value still goes on. And I think for me, one of the things that, that um, the difference that I see massively is that, you know, let's not do production line church. Let's not assume that our kids are getting it. I love what you said a minute ago, you know, when you said like, you know, they get it more if we teach, you know, we need to start getting smarter about letting them get it for themselves. And even if they get it wrong, not being, you know, being okay with that. I think allowing kids to be wrong. Like I tell Ethan and Aaron, it's okay if you get it wrong all the time, at least have a go. Yeah. You know, go out and do it, have an adventure. You know, you might fall three times, but do it. And if we create this perfectionism and it is massive today where we got to produce these perfect little kids 
we're bothered. I love the fact that my kids aren't perfect. You know, I like um, uh, there was somebody scored our, our on Facebook the other day, and one of our elders was, was was racking off how you know he's broken our perfect five star score for our church. We're now at four point nine, and I'm going. And don't you just love it? Because that's kind of us. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a point point one that's like never right. Yeah. I, I don't want to be with people that are five. I want to be with people that are four point nine because yeah. yeah. they're real. They do life real. Yeah. I think this generation want authenticity. They want. They want to see the color of your eyes and go, are you legit? Are you real? And I think teenagers today, this young generation, millennial generation, they want to see authenticity. Yeah. I think our generation are plastic fantastic. And I think we've taught our kids something that's just not right. And I do think there has to be a coming back of this authenticity of going, hey, hey it, we're not perfect. We are going to get wrong. And so are you. You know, so what if you don't do well on your exams? You know, better things in life yeah. you know man if you're outstripping me in fishing I'm, I'm more happy that you're doing that and enjoying yeah. life and knocking ball and uh, rather than putting the pressure on a kid to be something that can't ever be and I, and I think that for me is a big big issue today so yeah. yeah and I think that you know the one thing I've watched over the years is how like you doing all the years of youth ministry and now you have these ones that are young adults you talked about the ones that have been married now like that so do you see yourself what do you see parenting look like um, like as your kids get older, do you think, do, do you see it being some of what you've, what you've done with those young adults that, that kind of been people in your life or do you, or, or do you, do you view it differently? I, I kind of think my, my take on this has been that I need, you know, it's like I can go into a bunch of teenagers and talk to them about life really easily. I can emotionally connect with them and not everybody can do that. Um, I, what I really would love to see is like, how do we raise a generation that, knows how to do that, knows how to connect, knows how to really be honest, how to feel, how to interact more. So I suppose my heart is how do I train a whole bunch of young leaders to be that type of leader, not just sit back and do the kind of status quo, like you know that fairness thing in that room the other day, to, to not be afraid to put their head out and look different. You know, I, I, it ended in result of me going, look, you know, this was a gift from me, I chose to do this. You know, your understanding of fairness and justice was really wrong. But that is out there. So any kid that thinks they're going to be different to the rest of the group will keep them conformed. And yet Jesus said, you know, Paul said, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Be transformed. Right. How do we help kids be transformed even in their peer groups? And I'm not just talking about in their, in their faith. I'm talking about in life. If we don't model something that's so different to the rest of the, of the world, like what's the point? We look the same. You know, I was reading a statistic this week, you know, divorce rates are the same in the church as they are outside the church. Like, that should not be the way it is, no, but it is. Yeah. How do we go ahead and and really begin to create a culture that goes, no, listen, when you get married, there's a reason why you get married, and it's stickability, and just because it's broke, you don't walk away, to actually figure it and try to fix it. Now, inevitably, divorce happens. It was God's idea. He gave it. He said he hated it, but he gave it. But ultimately, it's like too many people walk away and give up far too easy. And I think teaching kids stickability and learning how to deal with their emotions, you know, if someone, you know, God created us with this body that has built-in mechanisms and ventilation in those mechanisms are really key. You know, if the body's hot, we sweat to cool down. If the body's cold, we shiver to warm up. God made it this way. If we're sad, we cry. If we're angry, we shout. If we're guilty or shamed, we hide. You know, our bodies are designed to work on some of these things. If a kid can't cry, in front of their parent because we say, you're not a real man. You know, it's like, no, that's not the way God made it. 
let's figure out how to ventilate these things right. Kids don't know how to ventilate how they feel these days and allowing places where they can ventilate and be honest and be real and just say what they feel. You know, I had a couple of kids this year who were in church all their lives going, you know what, John, I don't think I believe in God anymore. I'm like, dude, that's okay. That's okay. Totally okay. You know, and they're like, what, really? I'm like, yeah. I was like, of course it's okay to doubt God. I said, I'd be really surprised if you weren't. If you're coming to me going like, I believe in God, never it's great, I would be really worried. But I said, you know, you've got to go through this journey now. You've got to go and ask it for yourself. Not just because I say God's real. You've got to go and find it out for yourself. So chatting to this guy, I said, but listen, I'm here for you. If you want anything, your life, you know, if you're not going to come to church, that's okay. But you know my door's open anytime you want to come back. And what I find is over the years is that they never forget that. Yeah. So when they go five or six years, one day you get the knock on the door of the Facebook message. Hey, John, can we get a coffee? My life's a mess. You know, I wish, my best days were when I was at church and doing life. And I'm like, <laughs> I really believe God's real. And okay, cool. Now, well, just close your eyes and let's get right with God again. And uh, so I find that just sometimes, you know, not being that person that's not there all the time and just creating a, so, you know, creating emotional stability and emotional ability for kids to realize why they feel the way they do. I think that's the biggest problem. You know, people are depressed in the world. Yeah. Doctors throw antidepressants at them. Like, that's not the answer. That, that's, we've got to figure out if there's someone's depressed, there's a reason for it. Well, why are you depressed? You know, a divorced family will cause carnage on a kid more than we even see. And when I get them in the counseling room or I get to chat to them and you begin to talk about that, what happened to them and their helplessness, they feel like they couldn't hold their family together. So what, what do they try to do the rest of their lives? Hold everything that they ever get together together. And when it breaks, they have a bigger trauma. And then they get married and they try to hold their family together and they realize they create the systems all over again. Heading that off at the pass where they suddenly go, hey, your marriage, your mom and dad's marriage breakdown was not your fault. Give them the responsibility for it. You were the kid, they were the parents. But inevitably kids take on responsibility. I've just found helping kids not take responsibility that's not theirs, even though they think it is, off is the biggest liberator and freer for them. So they're helping them figure out their emotionality and what is theirs and what's not and owning what's theirs and giving away what's not. And uh, It's kind of like, you know, I think my two are, are good at that particularly, but yeah, it's not, it's not the norm. Kids today are really like, you know, screwed up out there. All right, here we are, the last question. All right. We're going to end on a real positive here. What is your favorite thing about being a dad? Pick one. Wow. Uh, I, I'm maybe a bit nostalgic in this answer, but I think looking back on all of the successes at all the different ages, you know, because it's different from, you know, they're in nappy state, diaper stage. And, uh, you know, it's like they go through that stage and then they walk and then they go to school and then they do their productions and they do all their stuff that they do and they come out the other side and, and then watching them become their own character, becoming all of that. So I think my highlight is literally looking back and go, hey, I'm feeling pretty good. I produced two good kids. You know, yeah. I, I'm feeling like I've, I've done my job. I've done it well. I've done what I'm supposed to. Uh, so I enjoy that. But I think one of my favorite things, I love fishing with Ethan. Uh, you know, I love doing daddy dates with Aaron. Uh, I love when we do family stuff together. Uh, you know, we go out together. Like, we, you know, we, we just bought four bikes for Christmas. Uh, we went to town and we just go out for family cycles now and just have a laugh and stop at the river and skim stones and, you know, climb trees and take photographs and do all of that stuff. And, you know, and, and like, you know, me and Ethan were up at the river bank the other week with Rachel and Aaron and we're, we're, we're like spotting the fish because spawning season and, 
you know, the river's full of fish, and Aaron and, and, and Aaron and Rachel came with us, and they're like, you know, take me up now, Jesus, I can't do this anymore, you know. <laughs> but yet, we had a really fun day just yeah. doing our stuff. So there's times for me and Ethan have to go, okay, all right, we'll go to cinema, we'll watch some kind of cheesy chick flick, but we'll do it. And so, you know, those are all the wee highlights of things that we do. But the biggest thing for me, I think, the fact that they are bought and sold in church, they, they're committed to the, the Building Journey Community Church, they love doing the teams, they love doing community, they love all part of that, they love serving, and, and you know, and when we do that stuff, we get to do that together. So. Yeah, long may that last. I think if 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 that's probably a collection of that, but yeah, I I, I like family. I that's enjoy good. family. But any final advice you'd like to give to any parents out there? Um. Yeah, just be real. Keep it real. Don't be hard on them. Give them space, and remember, you're the you're the parent. They're the child. Children don't know what you know. Your job is to go to them, go into them, fight, let them, don't wait for them to come to you, let them, you know, you have to be the the person that's in the game. Um, if they're not in the game, it's your fault. They're your kids, you raise them. Everything they know, you taught them. And uh, so, uh, you know, my advice to any parent is, you know, get in the game. I think I would say to dads as well, dads particularly with sons, because I think, you know, in Ireland we have what we call the mummy's boy, you know. When was the last time you ever heard of a daddy's boy? You know, we're raised in a society that's matriarchal. Yeah. Uh, and I think the one thing for me, and it's a big passion of mine, is like, you know, I want to see fathers raise daddy boys. You know, men's men. I think one of the, you know, you go to South Africa, that they don't have mommy boys out there. They're all daddy's boys out there. You know, it's like, that's whatever's in their culture. Now, they're harsh sometimes, but they've got this. I think sometimes in a matriarchal, where mommy's done everything for them, you know, Sons have never had to do anything. Mummies have cleaned for them. They've lifted for them. Dads have gone to work to put food on the table. They've never done chores. You know, guys don't know how to be men. I think teaching men how to be men. I would say to dads particularly, guys, you know, if you've got a son particularly, we, we've got to not let mummy mummy them. We've got to learn how to, the, you know, I, think about it. Is your kid a, a mummy's boy or a daddy's boy? If they're mummy's boy, got to get in the game. And... You know, look, go and research, figure out how to be a daddy. You know, how to create, how to be a dad that creates a daddy's boy. I think, you know, when I talk to teenage girls in church life who are looking for husbands, you know, and every church I think the world over is the same at the minute. We've got all of these amazing women, beautiful women who are holding out for a spiritual man, and then we get these drips. You know, we get this half manling things that have been raised because they. They cry at the first sign of trouble. They don't know how to do that. And the women are strong and the men aren't. Right, guys, we have to, man, we have to start teaching our sons a better way. We've got to start helping them figure out, like, this is how you look after women. This is how you respect her. This is what you do when you honor them. And uh, and, and I think, you know, I, I think that, guys, we've got to get in the game a bit a bit better with our sons. That's just a, a daddy-son thing, I think, I know, you know. But, yeah. It's good. Cool. Well, John, thank you so much. Thanks yeah, for your time. Great to be here. And we will see you back again this summer sure. in Northern Ireland.